The Mid-America Music Festival is back, bigger and better than ever for 2021. Rocking Northern Missouri with Autograph, Slaughter, and Great White. Plus the 90 Days Band, Friday, July 16th at Black Silo Winery in Trenton, Missouri. Gates open at 3. Concert starts at 445. Tickets, camping, food trucks, and more. Information online at midamericamusic.com. Midamericamusic.com. Autograph. Slaughter. Great White. The 2021 Mid-America Music Festival. Friday, July 16th. Presented by CFM Insurance. Grab your friends and get your tickets now at midamericamusic.com. Midamericamusic.com. What's up? This is Joey Allen from Warrant, and you are on the road to rock. Turn it up. We roll tonight to the guitar bite. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You are now on the road to rock, powered by the Great American Sports Network. It's not just a podcast. It's an unabashed celebration of rock's living legends. And now, please welcome your host, the master of your rock and roll road trip, leading you down the highway to hell, Clint Schweitzer. You are on the road to rock, and we have another exceptional show for you this week. Thank you so much for being a part of everything we do. I always appreciate it, and this summer is, of course, the return to rock. I am actually on my way this weekend to my first concert since October of 2020. It is going to be Sticks and a Collective Soul at the Lake of the Ozarks at the Ozarks Amphitheater in Camdenton, Missouri. So excited to cover that show. Of course, we had Lawrence Gowan from Sticks on just a couple of weeks ago. So very exciting, of course, to be back going to concerts. Live music is back, everyone. We're all excited. This summer, like I said, I've coined it the return to rock. We're outside. We're enjoying each other's company. Things are uh, getting back to normal, and I think we can all take solace in that. And this week, guys, a show too big for just one guest. No, no, no. We've got Mark Torian coming in from the Bullet Boys. Mark, a very candid individual, and you're going to hear in this interview, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. Uh, He talks, you know... Uh, very openly about his thoughts on what the last year's been like, some of the COVID stuff, and uh, you know, reuniting the original Bullet Boys lineup, uh, which is going to be really exciting. They're playing a bunch of shows this summer, including I think M3, Rocklahoma, and Monsters on the Mountain. So, Mark Torian, this is a rarity. So, you got an exclusive here on the Road to Rock. This is very exciting, and Mark uh, joins us again. If you like what you hear, if you want to see these interviews in video form, they're always available on our YouTube channel, which is Starcade Media. Yes, we have merged and become uh, kind of part of a larger media umbrella. It is Starcade Media. That's where you can go get all of our videos. So go subscribe there. And of course, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify, any way you choose to get your podcast, you can get this show for free each and every week here on the Road to Rock. And we are piled up with interviews so much that we're doing two uh, each week sometimes. And our second guest this week is none other than our good friend, Damon Johnson. Damon Johnson and the Get Ready, of course. He's been in Thin Lizzy, Brother Kane, Alice Cooper, just a tremendous guitarist. And Damon Johnson and the Get Ready have released uh, their latest album, Battle Lessons. It is absolutely tremendous. Damon really showing off his skills as a singer-songwriter. So this is going to be a packed show. We don't have a lot of time to sit and chat 
I'm on my way to Lake of the Ozarks for Sticks and Collective Soul, so I'm going to let the interviews do the talking, as I like to do here on the Road to Rock, because I'm taking you on this journey, this odyssey with me each and every week right here. Let's start with our first interview. Go ahead and welcome Mr. Mark Torian from the Bullet Boys to On the Road to Rock. Live music is back with this year's Mid-American Music Festival presented by CFM Insurance July 16th through the 18th at the Black Silo Winery in Trenton, Missouri. See Great White, Slaughter and Autograph July 16th. Granger Smith featuring Earl Dibbles Jr., Morgan Evans, Danielle Bradbury, Travis Marvin and more July 17th at the Mid-American Music Festival. Purchase your tickets and see the complete lineup at midamericanmusic.com. That's midamericanmusic.com real wow can you hear me? yes can you hear me yes. <laughs> mark the power of technology in 2021 we did it my friend oh and my goodness gracious sakes alive i'm so sorry that it took me i i'll tell you this we had mark slaughter join us a little earlier we went a little over with mark so do you have any good mark slaughter stories mark slaughter stories uh yeah, that's who we had on right before you other than that, he's one of the most sweetest, kindest men, and I love him dearly. Uh, exactly. I don't, I don't really have, you know, me and Mark have known each other for many, many years, and I have a lot of respect for Mark. Um, he's been through a lot, and uh, as a musician and as a person, and he's an amazing cat. So kudos yeah. to him. I love him. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Mark, this is great. This is the first time we've ever had you on, and I'm so appreciative. I'm so glad that we were able to make it happen. And I'm so glad that the Bullet Boys are able to start continuing this momentum that you guys started. What, what's this last year been like for you, man? You reunite the original lineup, you play a show, and the world ends. What in the hell happened? You know, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's really strange because the fact that uh, the whole world did end. Yes. And uh, basically took all our careers away from us. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're getting back to what we should be getting back to. And, and that's good old rock and roll music, baby. Well, so people are so excited about this. When you made, when the announcement happened, what was it like when you guys first stepped on stage at the whiskey last December? It probably seems like a lifetime ago now, but what, what was the magic still there? What, what was the feeling there? Well, hold on for a second. I think I lost you again. There we are. Uh -oh. <laughs> you know, um, it is, um, it has been really um, because of the fact that uh, rock and roll is my politics, baby. You know, performing, um, coming out and seeing all the beautiful smiling faces and, and uh, the love that I miss from uh, my friends and uh, my family and my fans. So yes, it, it, it has been, um, man, it's been just, how would you say, um, really had to sit down for a second and say, what's important to you in your life? It's, you know, it's, it's something that, and I've been doing a lot of working out. So I've lost a lot of weight, put yeah. out some really good muscle and, uh, been, I stayed in shape and, uh, that's what I'm, I'm most concerned is not so when people come out to see me play that they know I wasn't wasting my time for a year and uh, eating a bunch of donuts and eating a bunch of uh, tacos and burritos. <laughs> you look great, my friend. And you looked great the Thank last you, time I saw you on stage too. It's like, man, you got that, 
you, you just, you, you don't look much different than you did uh, in the eighties, man. That's rare. Oh, thank you so much. I, well, it's because of the good blessings from the good Lord upstairs. And the fact that I've been sober now for almost 30 years and wow. uh, I have some amazing people around me and uh, I, I am a, uh, a consummate workout artist. Uh, I'm, try to keep in the best shape as, as possible because uh, when I perform, I, I put a lot out there. I'm just not standing up there. So it, it takes a lot to um, to be a performer and to really put on a show for, for our fans and the people that I love, you know? What was the genesis for putting this lineup together? Because you know, the Bullet Boys, it's well noted. There's been a lot of people that have played in the Bullet Boys over the years, Mark. There, there's been a lot of members. Yes, sir. What was the kind of genesis of this? Who wanted to make this happen? And how did you pull it off? I wanted to make it happen. Um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, I was sitting on a bus uh, and, you know, I have to, first of all, I have to say this kudos to um, the fellas that um, and my brothers that I've been working with, uh, Chad C. Mac McDonald, uh, Nico Ross, Nick Ross. Uh, which was the key fundamental, the, the, how would you say, the core of the band for the past 11 years. <clears throat> there have been some drummers that have been in and out, but, um, you know, we've done, we did a lot of touring. We put out three albums. Uh, we did fairly well on the records that we released and the videos that we did. And, you know, we were packing, packing theaters and clubs everywhere. And I just got to the point where I really, Actually, I really started chatting with Lonnie and uh, a bit when I was on the road. And uh, I actually started chatting a lot with Mick. <clears throat> and, you know, they've been doing their thing, different things, and, and talking with, with Jimmy also. Jimmy's been playing with George. Yeah. Um, there was just this thing, and, in, in, you know, I, 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 was, I always put stuff out into the universe. Uh, and it was just something that the universe and was calling to, to get these four, us four superheroes together <laughs> to do something really, really extremely special musically for people that have been waiting for the four of us to get together. And, you know, I, I you know, for all intents and purposes, I really miss the, the, the guys. <laughs> I didn't miss the, uh, uh, the business of the band, but I, I miss the camaraderie and, uh, the music, the musical, um, how would you say, um, expertise of the fellas you know and it was just time for us to do something time for us to get it back together jump on the horse and uh you know i i, I wanted to do this more for the fans than myself um uh, the fans have been our fans my fans have been waiting for it for a long time and no disrespect to anybody but it it was just time to put this magical four four of us guys together and it's time to put out a new record which we're working on diligently um and it's 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 very exciting. It's it's uh, it's something that's uh, a little bit foreign to me, but but not. So it's just it's just been a um, it's a new beginning for us. Also, um, we're four different people now that we've grown up a little bit, but we're we're not. So it's the same hijinks and and buffoonery that we still are well loved for and known for. So good. <laughs> nothing's changed there on that aspect. You know we're. You know, we, we always poke fun at ourselves and poke fun at everybody else. So it's just something we're kind of like uh, the modern day Marx Brothers uh, with uh, really biting and sarcastic humor. 
people. So many people are, are so excited to be able to finally see this. And you guys have some big shows planned this summer and on into the fall. You're yes. Monsters on the Mountain. You've got so many shows up here. I mean, is there a pressure here? You guys had the show back in December. And is there some pressure you feel coming back on stage after such a long break? You know, it, it, it is, but we, I've been doing this for a minute, you know, bro. And it, that <laughs> year off, that year off was kind of good for me. You know, it really helped me focus on my faith and family. And I've had tons of music that I've written. Um, and it's just been, I've actually just moved in recently into a, a, a brand new, beautiful home. So I'm kind of walking around right now and letting you see a little bit of it. Night, I love um, the tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're on a ranch now we're on two and a half acres and, uh, we're, uh, right down there. You can see some horses here really soon. Oh, that's right awesome. So yeah, if you can see this, I don't know, but we overlooked the whole city over here. That's so nice. That's tremendous. So it's, it's really great to be out of the city, Craig, because I can't stand the city anymore. <laughs> and, I, and I love, I mean, I grew up in the city. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm all about the city, LA, born and raised, but there's just so much, I don't know, just so many strange events and people that are trying to be so divisive that I'm not into uh, divisiveness. I'm into togetherness. I'm into love, kindness, not separation. So, and um, probably not into 30% state tax either. I'm assuming. Yeah, dude. It's, 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 <laughs> That's insane, man. Yeah, but see, here's the thing you know, it's like city life's a whole different thing now. It's, it's become this, uh, oh my gosh. I hate to put it down because I, I, I love my city. I love LA. And but, I love LA too. I'm with you, but I get it. You know, it's just, it's just too much. It's, there's too much uh, political fray for me. Um, I do have my, uh, political outlooks and, uh, uh, what I think, but, you know, politically, like I say, again, my politics are rock and roll, baby. My politics are to make people happy and to sell smiles. I sell smiles for free. So <laughs> that that's what it's about for me. Um, everything else has been going around the, going on in the world in this crazy universe, I think we just really need to be concerned with loving on each other a lot more, um, having acceptance, but really not underestimating us as American citizens and um, knowing that all of us have this incredible, magical power of love, L-O-V-E. And it's not about peace and love and all this other stuff. I get it. Peace and love is amazing. It's about love, period loving people unconditionally with their faults and everything else. Um, and I try to spread that message. That message is, uh, is a, uh, a faltering message here in, in our country and abroad. And uh, we have to really, really, really start loving on each other a lot more. And uh, sometimes uh, we have growing pain, pains of love. And uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to understand as far as uh, where you can actually grasp that where you can share that every day and every day is just being kind to people man even if you're feeling like garbage even if you feel mm -hmm. like shit and bad <laughs> mood just one time out of your whole day be decent to people and i like to talk to people maybe it's because i'm an entertainer but i always like to chat with people good morning how's it going it's complete strangers uh but this is the way this that's how i roll i 
I roll with kindness and decency I, and respect. I really respect that. I wish it was that easy. It seems like it would be. And I think that the it last is. the last year has taught has has been it's been rough for me. Just because, I mean, I've never gone a year without a con going to a concert before or had some of these things. And I know people that have been affected way worse than I have. I am not judging. Yes, we've all, yes. we've all had different things go on, but it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I know bands that have lost their livelihood that have had to try yeah. to apply for loans and just to keep afloat. Yeah. And you guys are the people that are out there that are a part of people's soundtracks of their lives. I think it's really important. So Yes. I also like to say that I've been asked this a couple of times. Uh, we played our first show. Uh, sh uh, just a shout out to Kentucky, to Corbin, Kentucky. Um, we played our first arena show with Winger and uh, Firehouse in Kentucky about a month ago. Yep. And, uh, no one had masks on. Mm -hmm. um, it was completely an unbelievable event. So much love in the air. Um, they, the fans didn't want us to leave the stage which was pretty much unprecedented and, and showing us so much love. Uh, no one got sick, uh, but I, I'm, a, I'm a person of, we have to also realize that we have extremely strong immunities and we have to let those work at some point. So my thing is everything's opening back up. California's opened back up again. So we just have to have faith and we have to really be dil diligent and just take be, the biggest thing, what's the greatest thing to me throughout this whole pandemic. And I won't say great because I know there were lives lost and I have right. deep concern and, and deep um, feelings of sadness and uh, empathy for people that have lost their loved ones. But the, one of the greatest things that I've seen is hygiene. Something we don't really talk about too much, you know? Is, is it going and downhill? I'm, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about people washing their hands, sure. washing themselves, taking showers, baths, keeping yourselves <laughs> clean. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, it's about, I'm always about, it's always so fresh and so clean, clean. You got to be clean, baby. You got to do your thing. Keep those hands clean. Keep your face clean. So hygiene is is something that I think is really you know Im extremely important keep your hands clean wash your hands just things that we were taught back in school when we were little kids so i think that's a really positive thing um yes and i just think you know i i give the power to the people man we're the people we got the power so we got to love on each other uh lions not sheep be a lion be a loving lion be kind be decent no matter what no matter what people's views are or what have you, just be a loving soul, man. Everything you can imagine when that puts that takes to put on a show, those are the people that really took it the hardest because this is our life. This is our it, rock and roll mu music. It, it's not just a job. It's a lifestyle. It's a, um, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't I know, uh... tell you how much it is a lifestyle and uh, people that are get, just getting into this business have to realize, you know, the young ones, that this is a um, a life endeavor. This is not something that you come into a couple years or a couple months and, you know, there's guys that make it, they get number one hit, they have hits and stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's, a, it's a daily thing. It's a monthly thing. It's a yearly thing. It's a constant thing of working on yourself, uh, even when you get older, to stay in great shape so you can perform for people and, and 
and look fabulous. <laughs> and here we are. Mark, speaking of that, I, I want to go back a little bit in a time machine and go back to the early 80s in LA when you were playing guitar and rat for a while. You are the singer from King Cobra for a while. You're trying out um, for Ozzy Osbourne's band after Blizzard of Oz. How did kind of those experiences kind of land you with the Bullet Boys? How did that all happen for those of us that are, that are listeners that aren't sure? to Take us back then. And sure. how did you get from those that point to Bullet Boys, multi-platinum albums with the Bullet Boys, Smooth Up In Ya, MTV, how did it all happen? First off, I didn't cut my hair. It's all up in a hat. Exactly. I, I was wondering. I was wondering. They cut, they cut his, they shaved his head. No, no, no. It's like in the 90s and 100s here in LA right now, y'all. But yeah, no, I've, I've got a couple people are already sending me, sending me texts going, dude, you shaved your head. I was like, no, hold on. Yeah, I'm going to send this to Metal Sludge right now. I got to take a send it to Metal Sludge. They'll be yeah. on. You'll be Mark blown out. Head. He has a mohawk now. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, you know, I, I actually started. Um, it started. My career started in Montebello, California, where I was born and raised. And uh, real quickly, started with my family. I, I've been performing since I was about five, five, six, seven years old. Um, we'll, we'll go to Rat first of all. Uh, when when I actually was asked to join Rat by Stephen and Robin, um, I was before that I had just got the gig for Ozzy Osbourne to be the guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne. Yep, right. And we were uh, we worked for about a month, rehearsed with the band. Uh, Ozzy was incredible, and Sharon just just sweethearts and so kind and loving. Um, we, I worked diligently with the band, rehearsed, and then I was supposed to get picked up one day at my house. Uh, we were going to be going to on tour to England to start doing shows. And I waited all night, waited all day. No one came to pick me up. No one called me, woke up the next day. No one called me. No, one. <laughs> I'm sitting there with my guitars, my suitcases, literally still living with my parents. <laughs> and, um, we were completely don't, didn't know what was going on. Um, so the third day we get a call and it's Sharon and she speaks to my mom. And my mom puts me on the phone. She says, Sharon, you need to speak to her. So I talked to her and she said, listen, me and Lassie love you, but you're just too young to be out here on the road with us. We're still feeling the, uh, the sorrow from Randy's passing. Um, I was, uh, Brad Gillis had been playing with the band. So I was basically going to come in and take Brad Gillis's uh, position because he had went to play with Night Ranger. Yep. His band. <clears throat> so, I mean, they bought me guitars, equipment, all kinds of stuff. And, and they ended up getting a guy by the name of Bernie Torme, uh, an amazing legend to play those shows. So they basically t told me to kick rocks, gave me my equipment and said I was too young. So that was very devastating to me uh, as a young, young up and coming guy and completely blew my whole world apart. And uh but right after that, I, you know, I was very, very close with the Rat guys and with Steven. Steven <clears throat> is one of my mentors. Uh, he's a guy that I've looked up to my whole career. He's a self-made man, you know, worked extremely diligently to become what he became. And when they had heard what happened and, and basically kind of 
kind of shittily how they got rid of me. Uh, he bit. says, you're, you're joining the rap band and you're a rap, Mark. That's it. You're joining the band, my band. And I said, oh, my gosh. So he, they got me into rap and started playing shows all over the place. I think I was in the band maybe for almost a year. And uh, all of a sudden, there was all kinds of stuff going on. And I showed up to rehearsal. And uh, I showed up, literally showed up to rehearsal. And the, the thing, Stephen and Bob, the guys were a little weird. <clears throat> and I walked in and Warren D. Martini's playing on, on my equipment. Uh, playing on my equipment so uh i come in and go what's going on warren's here with what's up so robin kind of takes me out of rehearsal and and just says listen man and steven they were really sweet and just said listen we really feel that you should you should have your own band you're this amazing singer amazing guitar player frontman guy you need to have your own thing and so again i was crushed so right after that rap became gigantic and i had to watch their whole comeuppance and uh, on how huge they were, but I was so happy for them. And, you know, I just kept on going and kept on doing my thing and uh, little by little opening up doors. And um, I was also uh, signed with Motown, uh, signed yeah. uh, by uh, Benny Medina and Carrie Ashby Gordy Jr., who I love with all my heart. Uh, Barry Gordy too, um, the legend. And, um, I went into Motown and, and did a did a sign with Motown and went and did a record with Motown called Cagney and the Dirty Rats, where I worked with the most incredible historic legends that I've ever worked with. Stevie Wonder. Um, yeah. Um, the writers Holland, Dozier Holland, uh, the great Smokey Robinson, um, Rick James, Junior Walker. I mean, I. I I was retaught about music when I was signed with Motown. It really taught me what music was about, what a career was about, what writing great music was about. Um, and uh, if it wasn't for Benny and Kerry, uh, me inside, I don't think I, I would have ever developed like I developed. And uh, when I was at Motown, they believe in tough love. So tough love is, is not that easy sometimes. And I was, um, you know, I was a punk rock surfer kid, grew up skateboarding, you know, listen to R&B, punk rock and rock and roll music. And I had, I had about 10 chips on each shoulder. So I learned how, I was taught how to manage those, those chips on the shoulder and, and to get rid of them and to become and flourish as an artist. And uh, I always revere Motown as really teaching me uh, and I grew up with Motown. That's all I used to listen to when I was a kid. Was, yeah. You know, that's all yeah. I listened to. So it was uh, still is one of the greatest uh, moments of my life and my career. Now, Cagney and the Dirty Rats didn't, you know, they didn't sell a bunch of albums, but we were only one of the first bands that um, actually put, was a mixed race band. We had two black guys and two Latino guys um, making, doing pop punk music. And for all intents and purposes, it was, it was very rad. And, a very cutting edge type of thing. Um, Benny and Carrie were, you know, they were, they were so, they worked so hard uh, in a production company called Pocket Rock Productions and um, that they worked, we worked diligently. I mean, we're talking rehearsals from 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. Um, and in between that, we take a break and there's dance rehearsals. Yeah. So wow. there's, choreo there's choreography, there's, sure. there's, uh, uh, there's homework of reading about uh, uh, 
you know, the history of Motown uh, and the artists and it just, it's a whole nother world. So I was very, very fortunate and very blessed to be signed with the greatest record label of all time, which is Motown Records. So after that, I'm trying to give you like this little short synopsis. I love it. This is great. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to be too lengthy here. So I, no, I love it. This is great. This is great. Um, you know, after that, it just, there's so many, you know, Hollywood, it, it's just, you know, there's there was so many great musicians at the time after I, Motown was done. I just started, you know, reaching out to my, my, my buddies and my friends. One of my closest friends was Lonnie Vincent. He was playing in a band called King Cobra. Yes. And at that time, they were looking for a new lead singer because Mark Free had left the band. So they'd already been in like a couple of records. So Lonnie had told me, he says, dude, you know, can, can you drop the guitar for a second? Come in and sing for this band. Try it out. If you don't like it, I get it. But your voice is incredible. Please, I love you. Please come in and try out for this band. So reluctantly, I went in and tried out for the band. And... I wasn't a big fan of their music per se, um, not really, but uh, I love Lonnie and he was my best friend and I wanted to be with him and playing a band with him. So we, we, you know, we did some shows, we toured in Spain and, and the guys in the band were very disgruntled. Uh, they weren't really happy with the, the way the band was moving musically and what have you. And me and Lonnie always wanted to start our own band. So we, we, we played in the band for a minute and it just got to that point. We were writing so much and we didn't want to be a part of something that was already formed. So we wanted to form something brand new. Um, and that's where we hooked up with Mick Sueda. Yep. He was very disgruntled with the band, uh, extremely disgruntled. He was not about the band. Didn't dig it. Didn't like where it came from. And we just sat down one day and said, hey, me and Lonnie are leaving. We want to start a new band. And Mick was into it. So we just started working and writing and uh, working diligently every single day, every night we were working. There was no time off. There was no yeah. you know, screwing yeah. around. There was It was diligent. It was writing music and working to become a household name. And that's what we wanted to do. We were, we've been so kicked around the LA scene and, you know, even though as good as me and Lonnie were, uh, people didn't let, let us into the par right parties and kind of chased us away and F you guys, you know, this, this is only for the cats, you know? So we had to go make our way to things. And uh, all of us in the band had huge boulders on our shoulders. We were very punk rock. Um, we literally, you know, grew up fighting in bars, fist fighting grew up in rough parts of town. So we weren't going to let anybody take this from us. And I think that's <clears throat> what it came down to is just the, uh, the strong mental capability that we were watching people on MTV at the time. And we said, we're just as talented as they are, but we're going to have to work harder than they did. First of all, I have to work harder because I'm a brown skinned man. And back in the day, brown skinned men wasn't that easy uh, coming into the business at yeah. that time. Not sure. at all. <laughs> and it was very difficult for me as a brown skinned man coming into the rock and roll business. I took a, uh, was very, um, I took a lot of bigotry, a lot of racism, um, spent a lot of nights in tears, uh, spent a lot of nights breaking myself in to, to be the fighter that I am and to fight through color where people 
recognize my talent instead of the color of my skin. So um, when I do say that with, um, with love in my heart, because I do That's realize some people grew up in families that was no fault of their own, the way they thought. So when we came up and we were doing the Bullet Boys and we had the last piece of the puzzle, which was Mr. Jimmy DeAnda, who I grew up with, who my little sister went to school with his oh. older brother. And he was, you know, 16 years old, playing all these, you know, backyard parties. That's where we started playing backyard parties in Montebello, all of us. And he was just the savant of a drummer. I mean, I've never seen a, a kid that was more talented than any 20 year old or wow. what have you. He was just that, that good, you know? So we went through a bunch of drummers and uh, I was, I was just thought that Jimmy was going to be the guy. Cause he just, you know, he grew up with me, he, you know, I loved him to death. Uh, we have, we're family. And I thought he'd be perfect for it because he was, he knew how to diligently work. So when we first got him in, it was really hard. It wasn't that easy. Lonnie had been playing with Carmine and, you know, Mick had been playing. We've been playing with these other musicians and Jimmy just wasn't at that level yet, you know, but in my mind, he was. So we just yeah. got together and started playing and playing and playing and playing. It just wouldn't stop. We had uh, garage parties at Lonnie's mother's garage, you know, where Jimmy would come and play. And then, you know, we just decided Jimmy's blowing away all these old men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were young like we had a bunch of old guys uh, playing with you and stuff we're like no nah, get rid of these old dudes it's not happening they've already had their time so jimmy came in and just was crushing it and him and lonnie to me are one of the best rhythm sections in rock and roll ever yes we, regardless of what people think or how many records we sold you cannot mess with lonnie vincent or jimmy deanda it's i, I what I, you know even when we're rehearsing right now we're, we're writing I just sit there in amazement because of the that rhythm section. It's you don't fuck with that rhythm section, man. You just can't. It's, There's a it's headline. Brutal. I like that. That and you're very brutal. Right. And I'm just so I, I and I think that what you went through there, I think it's built so much character and you know, there's so much that, uh, that your life, the way it's turned out, I think you probably wouldn't trade any of it for the world to, to wind up in this position. So here, here we are 33 years later and it's all good. Yeah. 33 years later. Uh, nothing no, anyone's it, counting. It, it is good. It, it is good. But, uh, I do have to send a message to kids out there of color. Don't listen to anybody. Don't listen to anybody trying to steal your dreams. Trust me. If I would listen to the people that were telling me what they told me, I would have never been sitting here with you, Craig, ever. I, I, I would have never been there. Um, you know, me and Jimmy were probably the first Latinos in a band to come out of Montebello, California, uh, to make it. It's there wasn't incredible. a lot of, you know, a lot of, one of our favorite bands was Armored Saint, uh, our Latino brothers playing in that band. Sandoval, uh, yeah, Phil Sandoval, great guy. Oh my gosh. Those guys are like, you know, those guys are heroes to me because they stuck to their guns. They did what they did, talented guys, but I was very trippy. I didn't see color. I didn't see myself as being yeah, a guy of color. I grew up, dude, I grew up surfing and fucking skateboarding and <laughs> yeah, playing there's... tennis and sports and, you know, being with hot, hot, hot girls. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they really matters. What, they didn't care what color skin yeah. I was. You know, no. But and, there were those people that were in, in, in this business 
it was like that. Well, so the fact that we saw through all that and that uh, people stood up for us. Um, now go into management, Dave Kaplan management, our illustrious manager. That was one of the reasons why we did anything because he, he pushed the limit. Um, uh, the great uh, label Warner brothers, um, Ted Templeman, our producer, um, Oh gosh, everybody, everybody, everybody that was involved with us. Uh, Roberta Peterson, uh, who was um, Ted Templeman's sister, uh, may she rest in paradise. Incredible, we loved her with all our house. She's the reason why some of these big bands that you see around are even a household name. She works so yeah. hard. Um, everybody that was there um, that that helped us. It was. Um, they worked so hard for us and they believed in us and, and Ted believed in us. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that was the, that was the big thing that, that we were very, very fortunate that uh, we were with people that didn't see color. They, they saw talent. Warner brothers is still to me at that time, that regime was the, the greatest of label of all time. We were very lucky to be with that. And I'm sure people will argue the fact and I get it, but to me, they were. You know, you just can't, you couldn't mess with Warner Brothers at that time. I, no way. You're so right. And Mark, I, I can't, cannot thank you enough for, we fought through adversity. We fought through running late. We fought through some technological issues. And I just want to thank you. Zoom is giving oh, us no the problem. countdown. It's kicking us off. We, That's rock and roll, baby. Out. That's so rock and roll, isn't it's it? It's rock and roll, honey. That's the yeah. way it works. Mark, I can't wait to see you guys out there in the stratosphere. Probably going to be Rocklahoma, but if not there, it'll be somewhere out there. We can't wait to see you guys. I'll come up and say hi in person because you just... You just make me happy. You make me a happier person just talking to you like this. Can't imagine oh, what it would be you, like man, in person. So hard. Listen, man, if, if I can just say anything with me, ego is not my amigo, brother. <laughs> I love it. And I ego love it. should not be your amigo. Okay. Out there in the musical world. And I did steal that line from the great Mark Wahlberg. Okay. So it's not mine, but I just think that I really want to thank you for your time and having me on your show. I haven't done a lot of interviews as of late. I haven't really wanted to. Um, there's a lot to talk about, but uh, I just think that uh, it's really hard for me to do interviews. I'm a little self-conscious, a little shy sometimes. I know it might not seem like that, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time with me and I appreciate all the fans. I love you so hard. Thank you for being so loving to us, all four of us, the hard four. We can't wait to play for you guys. We've been working really hard and diligently, and we're going to just blow some roofs off of places, baby. That's Let's the way we're going to do it. Mark, we love you, brother. Thank you so much. I love you more. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. And thanks, everybody, for watching. A shout out, real quick shout out. As it's okay if I give people a shout out. Uh, shout out to LM. LM. Shout out to... Uh, Chief Sonny DeAnda, shout out to Mickey Sueda, shout out to Lonnie Vincent. I love you guys. And shout out to all the fans out there. I can't wait to see you and fuck all this shit. I'm going to give you big hugs and kisses when I see you. All right. Thanks, Mark. Love the you, third. man. <laughs> well, that was awesome catching up with Mark. 
it's an he's just such a positive guy you know there's been a lot of stuff about him in the media over the years and you hear a lot of things and a lot of stories and these guys have been around so long that they've crossed paths with so many musicians and all these bands are connected in so many ways but it's good to see the bullet boys original lineup back and uh solidified and together again and they're going to be doing a lot of big shows this year they've already done one i think in corbin kentucky and it's going to continue on with some big festivals this summer a lot of dates uh go to their website to check out more about that without further ado got to head to our second guest of the show it is with none other than guitarist extraordinaire and our good friend damon johnson actually believe it or not i didn't think this was possible given the shirt i have on but you've out t-shirted me here Oh, I have? Oh, uh, yeah, you have. Uh, Motorhead's always going to win win that battle. Yeah, you're right about that. Motorhead does win, uh, always. Dude, it is great to great to see you. It's been several months, a lot been going on. What's uh, what's the last you know few months been like for you? You've released a new single, the album's doing really well. But for you guys, it's about kind of a return to a live setting, which is coming up as well. How exciting is that, man? You know, man, it's everything. It's everything, you know, it's like there's two, we live two lives. One is the creative, you know, writing studio life and the, and the other is the performing and, you know, both are essential. And I speak for certainly the guys in my band. I have so many friends in this town in Nashville that are also artists and musicians. So there's no question, man, that, um, it just feels fucking awesome to, to, I love you know, that. F- to feel, you know, to feel some, some productivity, some normalcy, some interaction, just getting to be in the same room with other people. It just can't be overstated how, how important that is just to your well being, your state of mind. It's, uh, it's been an incredible year, man. I, I, I think, I think it's going to be some time before people start reflecting truly like, what was that year really like? Cause Right now, man, I don't even want to fucking think about it. It's like yeah. screw, screw, <laughs> screw 2020. Just it was what it was, and you know I'm just grateful uh, that you know obviously, man. Thanks to the rollout, the vaccines have changed everything, especially for the music business. It's what's given us even a chance to to get back out there and and do what we do. So uh, really stoked, man. Grateful, excited, ready. I know you have some dates on the books here already for the summer, but you guys are going to be going out and doing some dates with uh, Buckcherry, quite a few here in the fall and winter. How cool is that, man? I feel like that that uh, Damon Johnson and the Get Ready, you guys have really established, started establishing yourselves as, as this live entity. And I think that that really comes from how well the album has been received and just kind of how well you guys have kind of honed your craft. But man, this is, really cool to be able to go out there and do some of this stuff with, with Buck Sherry, some guys I know, you know, from, from way back, man. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that Clint. Um, you know, I feel fortunate. I feel like we are lucky that we made a record that we put a record out when we did, and we've had a chance to do some promotion, you know, and even my little fan base, man, they've really embraced it and they're fired up. So they're familiar with the songs and now they're ready to see it live. Um, no question, man. Uh, my friends in Buck Cherry, you know, Josh and Stevie, especially, man, they, uh, they love the new record and they were just, I saw them when they were in Nashville making their record with Marty Fredrickson. And, um, you know, it's just how it works, I guess, you know, a little bit of time and, 
and some opportunities. Uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll never forget that day. I got the email from our agent. He said, Hey, do you guys want to go to the UK with Buck Cherry? I was like, <laughs> fuck yes. <laughs> yes. Let's oh. go. Cause man, listen, the UK is extra special to me, Clint. Um, I spent so much time over there from the minute I joined Thin Lizzy in 2011, really 2012 was when I played in the UK with them the first time. All of the, you know, we started Black Star Writers, so 13 through 18, man, five, six years of solid presence in the United Kingdom, man. I, I love those fans so much. They, they've been, I don't, it's brought a whole other component, I guess, to my music and to my career. And, um, it was a beautiful day when we were able to announce that tour just to get the wave of reaction from, you know, specifically the fans in the UK. Cause look, black star writers went to all those tiny towns, man. Yeah. You know, Bournemouth and Leeds <laughs> and, you know, you know, not, not every city over there is London and Manchester and, and, uh, and Glasgow. So um, I can't wait, dude. Can't wait. Well, I, I feel like for you and maybe you'll, you'll agree here, but the fact that that you've been able to hone in and uh, do these albums like you've done, I thought Memoirs of an Uprising was awesome. I think that's the first time we actually uh, we actually had you on, and you've just I, I feel like this the Battle Lessons has been kind of a natural progression from that. Just talk about yourself as as sort of a as, as sort of a, so, a songwriter that I think doesn't get a lot of as much due as you should because you've done so much and written with so many great people. Do you feel like that Battle Lessons is sort of the, kind of the culmination of your songwriting talents that like you've done so much leading up to this and that you were established and that this album really was sort of the culmination of that for you? Well, I feel like I feel like Battle Lessons was just so easy. Yeah, I've never had more fun writing a record. Um, you know, a lot of credit to my main collaborator. Uh, Jim Troglin, we're old friends from back in the Alabama days, you know, back before Brother Kane started is when we first met. So, you know, we've got a real easy way about working together, but he comes loaded, man. He's just, and, and, and the thing about writing with Jim that's so fun, Clint, is that there's no set pattern. It's not like, okay, he shows up with music and I write the lyrics. It's just all over the place. And he is so not precious about the ideas he brings. Never once has he come to me and said, hey man, I got this idea, don't change the verse, you know, the verse lyrics, because I really love them. He would never say that. So I feel like I kind of have this open canvas to, you know, bring whatever I feel like the song needs. Because look, man, at the end of the day, I got to sing it. I got to believe it. I got to make it believable and authentic to the listener. Um. I didn't always look at it that way, man. You know, the brother Kane, the brother Kane experience was incredible. It never would have happened, man, without some of my collaborators, especially Marty Fredrickson. You know, I was so lucky to meet Marty when I did. And he taught me a lot about songwriting. And I, you know, I did my part and I did a really great job and certainly contributed uh, in tremendous ways to those songs, but it was hard work, Clint. I would, I would get in my head a lot. I would kind of dread like, oh shit, we got to make <laughs> another, I got to make another record. This is going to be tough. Hmm. I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way anymore, man. Songwriting is a joy. It's a game. It's like a puzzle. And 
Um, no surprise to you, man. Well, I've already started writing some new stuff, um, you know, because I, I made a pretty bold statement when I left Black Star Writers in 2018. And that was that I wanted to put out a new record every 18 months, no more than 24 months ever, you know, at the longest. Okay. So, um, you know, we're going to be so busy pretty soon, you know, being back on the road. So I just think it's in, in the best interest of the band for me to start having some material kind of stockpiled and, you know, just moving and shaking and seeing what we can come up with. Well, as I've been kind of perusing some reviews uh, from the album and I, I reviewed it myself um, several months ago and just kind of revisiting that and revisiting what people have said. I hadn't really thought about it this way, but one stood out to me uh, on Amazon and it said, if you like UFO, this should make you happy. And I hadn't really thought about much of a shanker influence here. Are, are you a shanker guy? Like, did I miss something here? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. hear a lot of UFO. I love, I love Michael Shanker, one of my favorite guitarists of all time. Is there, is there some shanker in there that, that I'm missing? No, it's funny. Two things. One is we toured with UFO in February of 2020, Clint, you know, right before yeah, the pandemic. That's hit. Right. So so a lot of their fans did get to see us. Um, I liked I was more familiar, honestly, with Michael Schenker's solo material than I yeah. was even UFO. Just the circle of friends that I ran in. I had to learn about UFO later. And. So the Michael Schenker group, you know, we had a couple of those records and then I went back into UFO and, and, and got it. But, you know, by that time, man, I was so steeped in so many other bands. Um, I had this conversation with my friend Richie Faulkner, you know, because Schenker is his number one guy. Mm. And for me, the Thin Lizzy guys were like my number one guys, Brian Robertson, Scott Gorham, Gary Moore. So I had plenty you know what I mean? There was a lot for me to be, you know, learning from and grabbing. But that's cool that that somebody reviewed it like that. Uh, and to me, I, all that means is it's, you know, this is new classic rock influenced music. It's new music, you know, because people say, hey, man, how would you describe your sound? Is classic rock done the modern way? You know, we're not reinventing the wheel. I'm not trying to compete with you know, Taylor Swift or, or Fallout Boy or anybody, anybody, man. Let's look, I, I've been around a long time, Clint, <laughs> and I like what I like. Uh, someone asked me recently, well, like, what music are you listening to a lot these days? And I said, I'm listening to Battle Lessons all the time, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, because it's like, I'm, I'm honestly, man, I wrote these songs for myself. I wrote them for myself. I wanted to make a record that I wanted to hear, that, that I enjoy. And, you know, so if I'm going on a long drive with my family, like I did last week, you know, they're all asleep in the suburban and I'm driving and I got my <laughs> headphones on. So I'm listening to Clutch. I'm listening to ZZ Top. I'm listening to old ACDC. I'm listening to Jack White. And I'll listen to my own music and I'll be like, hell yeah, That's man. This, this, all, <laughs> this all works together. Uh I love the album. I can't put it over enough uh, for our listeners. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about it at the onset. I'm glad we're having this opportunity to kind of, to kind of follow up here. So I want everyone to go to damonjohnson.com. That's where you can get all the information on the album and, and, and certainly the tour dates, but Damon for you, I've always, you know, I was, uh, I don't know if you ever, if you've seen the documentary hired gun, it came out a couple of years ago. 
Yeah. Um, I am for some reason I thought about you uh when I watched it the last time because there's a lot of it, it highlights a lot of players that have been, you know, played with major acts and have sort of just, you know, taken the paycheck and they've done this for 20 plus years. And they talked about, you know, Billy Joel's drummer that did it for 40 years and then got fired and things like that. And I thought about you from, you know, brother Kane to Alice Cooper, which I want to get into that because I saw Alice Cooper more times during your era than I did any other time. And then onto thin Lizzie black star writers. Talk about the level of gratification that you feel now doing your own thing versus what it was like, kind of in those high profile bands is, is, is it a different feeling? Is it better? Are you more, you know, just more gratified by what you do? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Great question, man. You know, when I first joined Alice Cooper in 2004, you know, the brother Kane experience was still fresh on my mind. Look, man, brother Kane was amazing. It was an amazing yes. band. We had great songs. We wrote great records. The unfortunate other reality is that we just weren't, we couldn't sell tickets. We weren't able to like build our thing up to where we could click up to that next level. You know, we just couldn't sustain doing it anymore. And there was so much turnover at our record label. And we were so dependent on rock radio airplay and all of that. So I made the mistake of kind of taking it on my shoulders. Like, fuck, if I'd have done a better job, you know, the band would have, would have lasted. And so I kind of came into Alice Cooper a little wounded, for lack of a better word. And, you know, immediately Alice was like, wow, how, where are you from? Like, how did I get so lucky <laughs> to get a guy that plays like you and can sing backups like you? And brother, it just turbocharged everything in me, my confidence, my attitude, uh, and I very quickly was just, I felt like, man, the universe had gifted me something. Like, listen, man, don't lose sight that everything you've done up to this point is just experience. You can learn from that and you take it into the next thing. And that's what I did. So I really give Coop a ton of credit, Clint, for really setting the foundation for everything that I did after that. Because think about it, man. After Alice Cooper, I got the Stevie Nicks cut. I had a Santana cut. I did Slave to the System, Joint Thin Lizzie, Black Star Writers. I mean, come on. I could have never have even written a script to, of like an amazing, you know, set of experiences like that. And, and they all happened totally because of Alice Cooper. So I really owe Cooper a debt of gratitude, man. I love that guy. You know, really, really appreciate his... Uh, just his wisdom and, and, you know, the legend that he is, man, I was really lucky to spend that time with him. I, 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 from what I hear, we haven't talked about this before, but maybe your biggest debt of gratitude to Alice is your golf game. Because I heard, man, I heard <laughs> that you are maybe, and I, you know, we've had Ryan Roxy on quite a bit. We've talked with Carrie Kelly and, you know, Eric Singer. I, I think, I think I heard that you might be the best Alice Cooper band member at, at, at golf is this no no listen i do have the distinction of being the guy that joined his band that already played a little bit I, okay. i've been playing yeah i've been playing six or seven years and i certainly showed up and looked like a golfer i looked like i knew what i was doing you know when i would get over the ball but listen man it took me a while uh, no question that all those years we coop made me a better a better golfer and 
I love it, dude. I love golf. It's a passion. It's, it's something I'll do the rest of my life. It's something I do with my sons. I've still, my dad is 83. He still plays. Wow. So it's, you know, I'm just really, uh, it, it's, uh, it's really an important part of my life. So, um, I don't know, man. I've been playing with Chuck Garrett some this year. Yeah. Fucking Chuck, Chuck is hitting it, man. He's, he's, uh, he's really hitting the ball better than ever. So, but you know, when I play with any of those guys, it's just always a hang. It's, yeah. you know, rarely does anybody is trying to stick it to the other, you know, with the, with any scoring or stuff like that. And that's the other great thing about Coop Clint. He was always patient with us. You know, he would take us to some fancy, you know, golf club in the middle of Boston you know, and we're just spraying the ball all <laughs> over the place. And Coop didn't care. He would just like, oh, man, hit another one. Here's another ball. Hit another one. <laughs> so, good, good times, man. Good times. <laughs> oh, Damon, you're the best, man. Uh, before we let you go, brother, we got to hit you with our, our final four drum roll, which is four quick questions, fun ones, and you just give us give us what comes to mind. And we'll you get one out of here, brother. Lay it on me, man. Okay. What is the last concert you remember attending as a fan before craziness I, went down? I went to a fundraiser in downtown Nashville for the victims of the recent tornado we had right before the pandemic. And it was incredible, Clint. Jason Isbell, Brandy Carlisle, Cheryl Crow. What a night. Uh, wow. So grateful that we were able to get tickets and go to see that show. It was very special. And this was, man, this was the week before the shutdown. I mean, it literally was right before everything got nuts. So uh, yeah, great show. That's, that's crazy. I was on my way to see Kiss in Tulsa on March 12th. And that's when like on my way there, they're like stuff shutting down, stuff, everything's canceled. Every, you know, it was like almost like tangibly you could feel like, oh my gosh, something's really up here. So I would say Kiss was my last one, but it wasn't because I didn't make it. It didn't, didn't make it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what? Um, what is maybe? Um, I know you've I mean, obviously been busy recording battle lessons, which is tremendous. But did you have any show or, or shows uh, streaming or anything that 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 you're able to like catch up on and like binge watch? over the last year or so because of, uh... Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot. Um, my wife sat with me and rewatched game of Thrones. I watched the whole thing. Incredible, you know, and a lot of times, man, I'll just sit with her and whatever she's watching. We've watched all of curb your enthusiasm. Um, you know, she's into some of those, anything British related, especially about the monarchy. So we watched the crown, you know, great acting in that. Um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we were watching stuff like Ozark and Fargo, oh. you know, those shows, shows are great. Um, I wish I had taken notes, man, cause there's so much content. <laughs> there's so much content for songs, you know, just characters right? and yeah. <laughs> That's true. So uh, I'll have to revisit some of that Ozark, man. Cause there's some amazing characters in that. Well, you know, I live about an hour and a half from the Lake of the Ozarks. So, I mean, it's it's a place near and dear to my heart. I grew up going there. And in a case of life imitating art, Ario Speedwagon is actually playing there this summer <laughs> like they did on the show. Not kidding. <laughs> so great. So great. Um, okay, so um, the, the latest single that you guys released, which was about a month ago, was Talk Yourself Into Anything. But do you have a song? I, I'm not going to ask you for your favorite song, off the album Battle Lessons, that's tough to do. It's your baby, man. But 
is there a song on there and maybe it's the latest single talk yourself into anything because i think it's a great live it would be a great live tune is there one that you're excited about unveiling on the road this summer and, and yeah man yeah for sure um i do love all those songs they are all my babies and i've never had a record that i love all the songs as much now as I did when I put the record out, you know, six months ago, but track number four is shadow country. Ooh, it's one of the most on. unique, one of the most unique arrangements I've ever been lucky enough to come up with. Uh, such a great feeling when I finished writing it, I couldn't wait to play my producer, Nick Rasculinix, the demo. I couldn't wait to play the band, the demo. Uh, it's got that big tempo shift in the middle and it goes into one of the, one of the best riffs. I've ever come up with, man. Awesome. Um, and I've already been kind of getting some some reaction on that. Even the couple shows that we've done already, you know, the fans are you can hear them shouting out. They want to hear they want to hear Shadow Country. So uh, for sure that one. There it is. Um, last one. What is the uh, first album that you remember buying with your own money or stealing? E either way. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I bought my first forty-five which was the Joker by the Steve Miller band. Hell and yeah. That's, and that same week I bought Destroyer by Kiss. You know, I was 13 years old. It's crazy to think, man, those songs were brand new at that time. So uh, I, I'm definitely dating myself there. But, you know, those moments are etched into my my DNA. You know, those were those were seismic events for me getting those two records. Well, we all know what a fan of Kiss Destroyer I am. I, I got to call an audible here because I got to throw in a f final fifth question because I am a huge fan. You may not agree, but we're going to see where we go with this. Of, of 80s Kiss, I love when the makeup came off. I loved Lick It Up. I loved Animalize. I like Asylum. I even like Crazy Nights, Damon. Do you have a favorite non-makeup Kiss album? <laughs> you don't. I do not. Come on, Revenge? <laughs> Not listen, even revenge. Clint, no, listen, Clint, there are moments, okay? There are moments. You know, by the time those 80s Kiss records were coming out, you got to understand something, brother. I was already going down my own path of writing sure. songs. I had, I kind of got off the Kiss train right after Dynasty. Uh, Makes sense. <laughs> you know, listen, man, Destroyer, note for note, song for song, sound for sound. Destroyer is right up there, man, on any, you know, come Agreed. on, man. We, we've had all these, everybody's got debates and lists and top 10 and top 50, whatever, man. I put Destroyer up against anything in my record collection. And yeah, it, it means something to me because I was a kid and, you know, it just brings back all these great memories. But fucking hell, man, those guitar sounds, those drum sounds, oh. Paul Stanley, King of the Nighttime World, shut Oh, dude, that's his. I listen to that when I'm going for my runs and it just turbocharges my cardiovascular workout I to love this it. day, man. That's the shit right there. Damon, you are the best, man. Can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to see you out there somewhere out there in the stratosphere in a live setting. We're going to make it happen, brother. Stay safe and stay healthy, my friend, and uh, best of luck going forward, brother. Clint, thank you, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for talking up the record. And uh, I hope I see you soon, man. Always. Thank you. Thank you. 
A huge thanks to both of our guests, Mark Torian, and of course, you just heard the interview with Damon Johnson, always bringing the energy, just one of my favorite guys to interview. He always comes on the show a couple times a year. Again, if you liked uh, what you heard and you want to see these videos, if you would rather enjoy these in video format, go to our YouTube channel. Starcade Media is where you can find On the Road to Rock. That's where you can find all of our my media content. I do sports, interviews, nostalgia. It's all there. Go to Starcade Media and you'll get the updates here. Thank you so much for listening. Guys, it's going to be a tremendous weekend for me getting away, getting to cover a concert for the first time uh, since October 2020. That was Quiet Riot, and that was sort of a one-off because prior to that, it had been February of 2020 where I saw Aerosmith in Vegas. Guys, it's been a crazy year. We're ready to get back. We're on the road to rock all through the summer of 2021. Guys, hit us up. we got so many more interviews coming up with Rick Allen from Def Leppard, Mark Slaughter, Mark Kendall, from Great White. There are so many shows coming up. Tim Ripper Owens, all on the horizon here on the Road to Rock. So be sure to hit us up on our social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for On the Road to Rock and you will uh, find our content. You can always drop us a line, let us know who you'd like to hear on the show and we will make it happen. Thank you so much for being a part of On the Road to Rock.